0: Hello I'm Rhythian Knight and this is Thai Hi-Fi. In this week's episode we get down to some yogi business as I have a conversation with contemporary practitioner and teacher Christian Mollenhoff. We go on a little bit of a journey from his apprenticeship at an ashram in Sweden to running his own yoga and meditation school in Paris and also Digital environment through his website, Forceful Tranquility. Enjoy, Christian. I'm so glad you've joined me. I've been looking forward to doing this podcast with you for quite some time. We've uh, we've done it. Uh, Yeah, thank you for having me on. um, You're not. In your usual haunt uh, in Paris today Christian
1: uh, where are you no I'm in the in the Pyrenees in the south of uh, France in the mountains I've gone out of town for some days to recharge my batteries I have some friends who have uh, a yoga center here so I'm um, I'm staying with them mm-hmm it has
0: been a long time since I've stepped in the Pyrenees uh, how is how is it there today? What what does it look like when you look out the window?
1: Well, it looks great, actually. Blue sky, mountains on the horizon, snowy, mountain mountaintops. Uh, it's, I think it's around zero. Yeah, it's a great day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like an inspirational setting for recharging batteries. Is it, uh, is it somewhere yes. you go regularly?
1: I do. I I usually, in the summer, every summer for the last... 10-12 years I've come to organize teach yoga retreats and occasionally I come down for my own practice as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. Um, well, there's no point uh, beating around the bush. It's yoga that we kind of cemented our friendship around. Of course, that wasn't in the Pyrenees. Uh, that was in the south of Sweden some years ago. Uh, just, just for the purposes of giving our listeners um, yeah, a bit of insight into your background. Could you tell me about your relationship with Ho, the core center there?
1: Yeah, sure. So, Ho, that's um, the yoga center of the ashram of um, Swami Janakananda, who was my teacher. It's a place where he teaches um, particularly deep-going Yoga retreats all the year round, especially in the winter time. He has this three-month retreat. He has been teaching it every year for around 50 years now, where he teaches the most powerful techniques of his tradition, which is the tradition of an Indian yogi called Swami Satyananda. And he really does that under optimal conditions. So it's a retreat. It's a course that really has some traction. People come from uh, all of Europe, uh, even from Australia, the United States, sometimes even from India to um, to participate. And um, I lived there for five years. I did my yoga teacher training with him, living in the in the ashram. And um, that was great, of course. It was a very inspirational, very inspiring place to to live as a young. Yoga teacher aspirant, both for the for the powerful teaching that was going on, but also for all the interesting people that came and, uh, and participated in the courses.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, you know, you sometimes see uh, yoga teacher trainings pop up. I do. I see that on my feed. They pop up. You know, go here for two weeks and become a yoga teacher. So five years sounds like um, a serious time investment, Christian.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is, but I mean it's it's like with the yoga teacher training as with everything else, you sort of when you the bigger the investment you make, the more you get out of it. And of course a, a two week or a one month yoga teacher training is not the same as if you really go for it over several years.
0: Mhm. Of course, one of the uh maxims or or words I see centered around the whole center is is very much focused on yoga in daily life. It's like a big emphasis. So it's not something that just occurs on the on the mat or in the meditation hall in the morning and you know when I think back to the, my time there um I remember you being in the kitchen a lot.
1: Yeah, that's right. I was the I was that was my main karma yoga to be the the chef in the kitchen. Mhm. That's
0: right. Tell me a little bit about your understanding of karma yoga. You know it's a funny if you if you're not familiar with that word, it can sound a little bit strange. Yeah, tell me about karma yoga and 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 cooking.
1: Yeah, well, karma, I think there's many different dimensions to to karma yoga, but basically it's about um, doing uh, what do you call that voluntary work. you know you 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 work. Uh, you it's it's the, the yoga of action, simply action yoga, you 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 work with a with a task and you give that task your full attention and uh, the main purpose of, um, of doing it is just doing it rather than to get something out of it for yourself in the end, you, you immerse in the in the in the action and you, you're f- focused on the in the moment in the in the in the action.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's very liberating, actually. You get—it's really a very efficient way of getting out of your own self-pity and your own sort of small greed about your yourself and your own needs—and um, so it's very refreshing. And um, also in the context of, of the of the yoga retreats and uh, living in, uh, in in the ashram, it's also a way of balancing your practice, because you have a very intense practice, you know, you do advanced yoga for hours every day, that gives you a lot of energy, and if you don't have a way to get that energy out and to make that circulate in your in your system, then it um, you might not get that harmonious experience of it. Mm-hmm. So, that's another reason karma yoga is uh, useful and, and important. Yeah. And doing karma yoga in the kitchen, I think was, for me, was perfect because that was really intense, you know, cooking for sometimes 40, sometimes even more, sometimes even 50 people. And then you have to have the food ready on time because the course schedule is tight. You need to, when the the master finished teaching in the yoga room, everybody has to eat pretty quickly. So then it has to be finished on time. And it was all, always a little bit unpredictable when the classes were going to end. So you had to be very observant.
0: Yes. I remember the food. It was it was exceptional uh, well, and nice. organic and tasty. Oof, I have some reflections about the Karma Yoga period. It was a great thing to just drop the task when the bell went to go do something else. And coming out of the center and trying to apply these principles to one's daily life or to a regular job has been an interesting journey, you know, this business of not being attached to the results. Uh, yeah, how was is, how is coming out of the ashram kitchen and into your own household and into the own world of work? Are you able to adopt karma yoga into your daily life, would you say?
1: well i would say yes but um i don't i don't think it was that easy to come out of the of the ashram and to reintegrate into society i think that was kind of difficult it's i and before going to the ashram i was in the military and uh, coming out of the military that was a similarly difficult experience you know you come out of a very structured life where uh, you know you have routines and you don't have to really take so many initiatives because you know what's going to happen during the day. Everything sort of comes to you naturally. And then when you live your own life, you you have to take all the initiatives. You have to make everything happen. So there's much less structure. And when you have been in in one of those very structured um, settings for a long time, then it's uh, it's quite a change to, um, to switch. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, for me it took a couple of years, I think, to um, at least to be comfortable with uh, with living a more normal life. Yeah. Again.
0: So since that time, you have um, gone out into the world, so to speak, Christian. I'm a, you're a you're a father.
1: I am. I've got two boys, one six year old and one who's gonna turn. Too, not too long. Uh-huh.
0: Uh huh. If this isn't too personal a question, how is uh, maintaining a personal practice and, and being a dad going? Have you found a, Have you found something that works for you?
1: Well, I think it's it's challenging, and uh, of course, I, I, I don't have the same ambition level with my personal sadhana now with small kids as I had before um when, when they are very well until they start going to spend a lot of more more time in, day, in daycare we, we kind of we take care we have taken the big one he spent most time with us until he was three and we' have a similar plan for the for the little one but when the big one when he started going to to school in France they started at three in Ecole uh, maternelle then all of a sudden I got much more time and then I could pick up a more a more uh, rigorous um, yoga practice again mm-hmm. but now i'm 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 adapting i'm doing short spreading short sessions out over the day doing uh, doing what i can just to maintain my balance because it's it's quite intense to be a parent as all parents know and as, especially during this pandemic Time with the uh, limitations and, and lock lockdowns. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, just before we started recording this podcast, you were reflecting a little bit on your love of breathing exercises. You know, and I know it's not like we're we're selling yoga on this podcast to anybody. It's just for people who are interested in listening. But yeah, what do you? Sometimes I ask myself, why do I bother? And um, so I was going to ask you the same. What what is it th- that uh, yoga does for you personally? Can you reflect on that, Christian? Because it's it's not like it's a hobby, right?
1: No, I, no, I wouldn't call it a hobby. Well, it's it's my profession. Um, for one part, it's a, it's become a profession. But what it does for for me, well, it it makes me connected to. To my deeper self, so to say, in it, and it keeps me energized. It helps me to digest, you know, all the all life's difficulties and um, all the um, all the tensions that life's that life creates. It helps me to let go of all that, so that I can um, live a, a more fulfilling, uh, more fulfilling life. I would say.
0: Stepping back to whore for a moment, you mentioned all of the myriad of different people that you met from around the world. Uh, You know, and clearly if it works for you, it works for other people. Would you say there was a pattern, generally speaking, of people arriving with tension? Like what were your, is it possible to kind of generalize some observations you had? Because you know, you had people coming pretty much week in week out for five years were there any patterns you observed
1: well what you really you could really see on people you know when when people came they had these gray city faces like what you what you see people in the in in the in in the city like tense faces Um, they they would come like that and then um, most courses were two-week courses and and at the end of, of the two weeks, their faces will be all relaxed and, uh, like there will be radiance in the eyes and, uh, yeah, so you could you could really see it in their, in the in their faces. Um, and that's also what people, what people kept saying also what this just two weeks did to them, that it was really, um, a, a period where they could, um. Yeah, get rid of their heavy luggage and go home much, much lighter.
0: Is it possible to pick up on the kind of tensions of your students? I'm not saying that would be a desirable result, but um, I'll tell you why I'm interested in this question. I remember visiting uh, the course centre, following my course, and sort of helping behind the scenes, and, and there was a real kind of palpable sense in the air, you know, it was, a, it was a strong feeling being back there behind the scenes. And I was just curious as to, as a teacher, whether you um, are sensitive to the tensions of your students and how you might deal with that.
1: Mm, that's a good question. It's an interesting question. And, it's, and absolutely um, what you felt, it's what everybody felt, feels behind the, the courses. You really... Because there are there there are no like there are no strictly personal thoughts or or feelings when you're it's it's all it's all kind of goes beyond your yourself, and when you're a group, you sort of create together a sort of collective um, field, collective mood, and uh, as teachers and just as being behind a course a helper behind a course you you feel that. You feel that it's very tangible, especially when you're the one teaching the course, especially when you're the responsible for the whole course, then it's like all this pass through you. So you really, you really feel that both inside the yoga room and, and outside of the, of the yoga room. And um, sometimes it's very um, agreeable. Sometimes when, when the group is, is relaxed and concentrated, it's, it's lovely to be in that space. But when there's lots of tensions, it's it's heavy, and and the heaviest is if there is anger in the group, and the anger the students sort of direct that towards the the guides, the teachers, and the people helping with the with the retreats. Because sometimes that's the case, you know, when when you come, you go through a tough experience, then you become angry at the people who are presenting you with this experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's that's the most challenging to deal with, I I, I think. But you you get used to it. And it's, um, and it, it's um, just knowing that it's a part of the, um, of the process really helps and, and knowing that, you know, when, when you have gone through the, the, the same program, sometimes you, you start noticing that the same kind of states and feelings tend to come up on particular moments. And that makes it a lot easier to, to keep a distance to it. Yes. But uh, yeah, on the on the on, on the longer courses it can be really, really powerful. So I Majjanikand himself he used to say that in the in the end of a three month course then you really have to hold on not to get blown away.
0: Hmm. You know, it's such a fascinating um, response. You know, it for me it presents some real deep seated questions about leadership. I mean, obviously you experience that in the kind of closed loop environment of an ashram so you can notice but uh equally exercising leadership in the wider world if you're talking about a unified field you know the fact that a, a leader will take on the states of his uh or his charges yeah did you develop any kind of routines in order to help those collective feelings kind of filter through because obviously you don't want them to stand in the way of uh the things that you're trying to teach, or the food that needs to be put on the table, yeah. How did you kind of let those things filter through?
1: Well, I think Karma Yoga is one excellent way to um, to stay detached from from heavy states that float around, and uh, and then of course the whole the whole course the courses were built up with the with, with this and in mind. It's from and when he created these programs, he um, he um, tried to. Make them so that uh, there would be ways for also for the for the students to to, to m- more easily deal with the, with whatever states they were going through, and like the meditations, for example, but also sometimes the, the singing in the in the evenings. That singing is a very good way to get emotions out. Singing repetitive um, m- repetitive mantra singing is a very very good way. For example, or or the Sufi exercises, like group contact exercises, mm-hmm. also helps. Yeah. So, so so like a large variety of different techniques that you can that play together to to get a harmonious result.
0: Mm-hmm. Is it possible to extrapolate that if there is a kind of a unified or collective Body of feeling in a in an ashram environment that that plays out in a kind of general living scenario
1: definitely, but you know it's I think that we are we are all going we are all constantly part of a of a, of a collected field. It's just that it's so much more difficult to 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 know where things come from when you are constantly bombarded with impressions from all directions, yes. The thing is that when you live in, a, in, a, in an ashram in a secluded environment where you where you limit the inputs then it's then it becomes much more clear what happens where where things come from you know if, if you think about a glass of uh, of water if uh, if you have a glass of pure water and you drop in a, a drop of color you will see that drop very distinctly but if you keep dropping in drops you know after sometime the 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 water will be all brown and you won't see you won't see anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A little bit like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Was it helpful as a kind of professional to be sanctioned to teach something? How 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 was that? Was there a moment where uh, your teacher said, "Okay, Christian, you're ready now," or, or was that a a feeling that came from inside?
1: Well, I I would say that the the what i really appreciated about this um, about this teach uh, teacher training it was how practical it was you know there was not a whole lot of uh, of theory it was very down to earth and, and it was an apprenticeship you learned it by by helping with the real thing you know first as a, as a help the, the first step was to well just to be there and do karma yoga and uh, and help with the practical things but then soon enough you started to come along into the yoga room as a helping teacher. Mm-hmm. There was the, the, the main teacher was guiding the, um, the yoga poses, the breathing exercises, concentration techniques. And and I would go around there like cor- correcting easy poses and, uh, and helping with just just basic things. And then, you know, there's a the next step. You start going into the neighboring towns, teaching in the evenings a little bit. And bit by bit, you get more and more teaching responsibilities. So you you very organically grow into it, mm-hmm. step by step. So there there wasn't really a one defined moment. It, it just came came naturally over the over the years. Great. And then in the and in the and then in the end, I would be you know, I got um, some some moments that I remember as. Maybe the what I felt as the biggest step was probably when I got the responsibility to be the main teacher, to be responsible for a whole for a whole weekend course for the first time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. How was that for the first time?
1: Yeah. How was it? I, it was a very good experience. It's a, it's an intense experience. You're really you're really on for most of the, the weekend and then it's very, the weekend courses are maybe the most, or in some ways the most intense courses because the people come Friday evening and then they are gonna leave Sunday and have just that time to do everything that you want to, to do. But no, I, 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 it was a very positive experience and the, at, at that time the, there was a very good um, team of people, uh, so I felt really supported by the other teachers and um the other um, the other karma yogis that were helping behind so it was just no it, it went it went very smoothly but of course it's a little bit when you know when you when you are the for the first time when you when you're responsible for a course like that of course it's a little bit yeah, well, what you what would you say it's you're a little bit nervous of course because you are everybody's looking at you and you have to you have to perform somehow or you you at least meaning you, you want to deliver the best possible experience for the students. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of t- take a
0: turn towards the setting up of your own yoga school.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it's quite an undertaking. Uh, and it, it's not just about furnishing the room, I'm sure. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about the school and what you've, what you've done over the past few years?
1: Yeah. So when I when I left the 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 ashram and the organization in in Scandinavia, I decided to go to to France. I I I studied French in school, so I knew the language, and I thought that having a yoga school in Paris would be interesting because it's a big city, and that I would be able to have a a very sort of a, a yoga school with a narrow profile like uh, to be able to um, take people a bit further to do a bit more um, intense thing and um so yeah so i went to paris and it turned out to be extremely difficult to to start i mean paris it's i guess it's kind of like london it's uh, just to find a place to to teach uh, was very difficult and uh, I had some money but I didn't have any um, I didn't have any um, income I had some savings but no, there was no cash flow so nobody wanted to to rent me anything and it took me quite some time to find someone that um, that accepted uh, to rent me um, a place but but I needed to pay one year up front oof <laughs> so that was a big risk but i but i felt that i was i was convinced that it was gonna work so i i did it with full confidence and it and it did it um, it, it it worked out
0: um, so uh tell me the name again
1: uh, so the the name of the school in um, my school in, in, in Paris is uh, Yoga et Méditation Paris Yoga and Meditation Paris. Mm-hmm.
0: Great, and I um, of course I read your blogs occasionally. You might not be aware of that. There's there's definitely an article I want to explore because I really enjoyed it uh, later. But your it's called Forceful Tranquility is the name of the website, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. That's my that's where I teach on my online teaching goes on okay so tell me about the
0: words forceful tranquility there um, I'm sure that pairing is very deliberate right
1: yeah it is well it's about what you get out of yoga basically on the one end on the one side you have the force you get you become empowered and on the other side you have this deep tranquility the con- deep connection with yourself, on a very profound level, and and the tranquility and the peace that that brings about, and that's the that's the pairing, the the coupling of those two. Mm-hmm. That's where the name comes from.
0: Mm-hmm. So, here's another pairing, which is a, a fairly new development, I feel, and that's the words online and yoga. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What? Um, what funny times we live in, Christian. Um, so let's talk about online yoga for a second. Uh...
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, personally, I was very hesitant, for um, both for, for, my, for my website, but, and then when, when the pandemic came and the, the Zoom courses started, I was, it took me quite some time to accept the idea of, um, of teaching in, in, in that way. Um and I think it's, uh, yeah, it's every time when there is a technological shift, when there's a, a shift of habits, it's natural that you have some reservations. and uh, but I, I'm surprised by how well it works actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the same as teaching in um, well, live classes. It, it isn't, but I think, uh, what I sense, what we sense when we teach the, the Zoom courses is that part of this, part of this, uh, you know, the feeling or the sensing of this collective field of the the, the energy shifts that happens in the group when, when you teach, we, we feel them even when we teach through Zoom, Good which is kind of interesting. And which also just um, confirms that they are not like thoughts. They are not limited by space the way we tend to think about them.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, forgive me. I'm going to have to take your word for that for the moment. Um, but that is fascinating. I'm just mentally adjusting to that concept right now. That's that's wild. What was your initial reservation? to teaching online then was it that that wouldn't
1: happen or well my uh, initial reservation I think it was mainly just like a habitual thing that um, like it's not the way it's supposed to be done you know, it's supposed to be the way we are used to and uh, and everything else is sacrilege that what I think it was on that level and um, uh, yeah so it was more of like of a dogmatic thing, uh, I think. That, but of, of course, you know, it, it has limitations. It's not, uh, it's, um, you shouldn't really come, yeah, it, it, ha- it has lim- it has some advantages and some disadvantages. But overall, I think it's, uh, it's a legitimate way to, to do it. Okay. Yeah, totally.
0: So this is sort of a live, real-time instruction uh, with a, Different students being on a Zoom call—is that—is that that right?
1: Yeah, that—that's not how I do it on my website. There, then, then it's recordings. But the way we have gone over since the yoga school in Paris closed down because of the restrictions, that's Ah. where we have been doing on Zoom.
0: Okay, so you can continue your relationship with your students by by meeting that way. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Um. Christian, tell me a little bit about your relationship to writing at the moment. I, um, You used the word assiduous blogger recently, and I didn't know that was something that you really loved. Um, yeah, tell me about your relationship to, to writing right now.
1: Yeah, well, I assiduous blogger, by that I mean that I'm publishing an article every week my, on my blog. I've said that, yeah, like with you and your, your podcasts, if you know you have to you set the objective to do it, then you you have to stick to it. So that's a way to motivate yourself. And uh, now I'm I'm writing about about yoga. I think I have a, I have a I've realized that I have a lot of things that I want to say and that I want to share about yoga. And I've I've been in this field for more than twenty years, and um, yeah, it it comes naturally to me that I want to to express myself about it. So. That's mm-hmm. that's
0: what I'm doing. I particularly appreciated the one um, which talked about the placement of the tongue in the soft palate. Uh, yeah. what was the name of that article again it was it was great it's uh
1: it's called Ketcheri mudra the revival of the space walking seal
0: that's right it was i think it was the space walking seal that appeared to me i was like i'm reading that you know it had yeah. a touch of the the star wars to it yeah um, it does <laughs> um yeah so that that kind of drew me in Um, But one of the things I really appreciated, Christian, if you don't mind me paying you a compliment, is that you took something that is often a bit mysterious and hidden and you made it very practical and grounded as opposed to something wacky and way out. And uh, clearly Mm. you had to do quite a lot of research. So, yeah, tell me a little bit about Ketchari Mudra right now and uh, why you felt it was important to talk about it.
1: Yeah, well, Ketri Mudra, it's an important um, yogic uh, practice. It's also quite widespread in its simple form. It's about folding your tongue backwards in your mouth and to rest it on the soft part of the, of the palate. You touch the, the roof of your mouth from the, from the inside with your tongue. And this is a practice that is in the in the old yoga scriptures. It's said that um, it stimulates certain energy flows, and it's supposed to be a very powerful practice. And it's uh, in my case, I I liked doing it, but uh, I couldn't relate to it as one of the most powerful practices. But it happens to be so that this version that m- most of us get taught, the widespread version is actually a simplified version of the of the Ketchum Mudra. What, what they say about it in the old yoga scriptures is actually that you should be able to push your tongue further back and to uh, get it all the way into the nasal pharynx to actually move the tongue above the palate, which for most people is uh, impossible to do because of the the, the frenulum
0: I know what you mean by the frenulum it's the cord underneath yeah. my tongue okay
1: yeah exactly. exactly so what you have to do is to stretch it or actually what they say about it in the in the scriptures and that turned me off is that they say that you should cut it off and I, I, I wasn't too attracted by that but then I found out I I connected with a yogi who had um, um, who um, said that actually some of the some of the, the biggest yogis uh, actually said that you shouldn't cut it but you should stretch it. So within um, some from takes from some months to some years to stretch it so that you can get your tongue in, in, in place. And I and I did that. I started stretching my tongue twice a day for five minutes, and within less than a year, I. Managed to get the tongue in above the above, above the um, the palate, mm-hmm. and it was very interesting, and it um, it dawned to me that um, yeah after some time it didn't come straight away but after some time I was able to relate to this as a powerful exercise much more easily mm-hmm. an exercise that that immediately has some energetic impact on you
0: okay. yeah. Uh, I appreciated reading this from someone that I know, but also I also appreciated the fact that you'd both done the practical research, you know, you'd been experiencing this and trying this for yourself. And I think that coupled with the kind of academic research and rabbit hole that you went down, it made for a really uh, interesting article. I think I'm, I will post it in the notes of this podcast for uh, anyone that's interested Um not least because it's got the word spacewalking written in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you working on at the moment?
1: Yeah, at the moment, I'm working on um, on an article about the Antar meditation. An- Antar
0: a- forgive me, my Sanskrit isn't great, but that's inner uh, silence, inner right? Si-
1: inner silence, yeah. The inner silence meditation, which is a, a, a like a... A meditation that has several different steps but the main purpose is um, it's an open awareness meditation where you simply learn to accept anything that moves through your through your mind
0: okay so I don't need to tell anyone that's listening what a gift achieving that state is um, in daily life uh, so you're working on on its an explanation of it or are you you talking about your own experience what do you what do you think No it's,
1: it's not an explanation of it it's um I explain what it is and I give examples of the instructions for each step
0: oh, That's a real gift Christian thank you for doing that Um how long does it take you from conceiving an idea to kind of putting it out there is it a is it an impulsive process or is there some refinement that takes place what's your
1: what's your flow well it depends i have i have a long list of articles that i want to write and some of them takes longer time some of them i need to think about a lot more but some of some of the more practical ones are easier to to um, to write the ones that are more challenging of course the ones that requires research but also some requires a lot of thought on how to formulate uh because a lot in yoga is very subtle, and it's it's not so obvious how to to put it down in words. Yes. Which is also why it's great for a, a yoga teacher to have to write about it, because then you force yourself to to um, to to formulate it, to to express it in a in an understandable way. Mm-hmm. Yes. How
0: do I access your blog? Is that via Forceful Tranquility? Is that
1: yeah, it is. It's um, Actually, at the moment, it's not that visible. You have to go all the way down to the footer and click on articles. Then you get the, the list of my articles.
0: Mm-hmm. Sitting in the Pyrenees as you are, uh, having had some meditation this morning and spoken to me, how are you planning to spend the rest of your day today, Christian?
1: Oh I'm actually i I have, I have there are two reasons for me being here one is to get some more time to to meditate than I get at home and the other one is simply to get some peace and quiet to be able to 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 work and write so that's what I'm planning to do mm-hmm.
0: and have you said it's for me it's been quite difficult to kind of vision forward into the year in terms of what I want to achieve practically um how is that for you? Have you set any sort of goals or aspirations for this year, with your, with with the school or with your work? What what do you think? Well, with the
1: school, it's difficult. Um, now my ambition is just to survive this um, this COVID period. It's uh, it's lots of uncertainties. We don't know exactly how how the world is going to look afterwards. So when it comes to the yoga school, it's just about living through the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And with my, with my web website, then yeah, I, w- I would like it to become more widely known. So that's my that's my goal for, for the website. Mm-hmm. What are you grateful for today? What am I grateful for today? Well, I think I'm grateful grateful for a lot of things. I'm very grateful for having the opportunity to um, to work as a yoga and meditation teacher. I think that's a really fantastic thing that I have uh, that I've had this that I'm, that I'm on this walk of uh, of life. But I'm also I'm also thankful for being a father and a, and a husband. And that's another very, yeah, I didn't I didn't expect actually to be a father. I expected to stay, uh, yeah, to go on with this uh, more focused, yogic, like sannyasi style life. But then I met my wife and um, yeah, we decided to or she actually she was the one that wanted to have kids. I said, yeah, it wasn't something that I, it wasn't on my to-do list so to say but um, since she wanted it I said let's go for it and it's just been amazing mm-hmm. to, to have kids so I'm very thankful for, for that as, uh, as well and to, to live a life where I balance these two family life and uh, yoga life yes
0: Christian Mollenhoff, thank you so much for
1: speaking to me. Yeah, thank you. I, I really I, I really appreciate also this interview because most of the time, you know, when, when I get to speak about yoga, you don't get questions on this level so to say. It's uh, you know, can I can I do nose cleansing on my kids, you know, can dogs do yoga, you know, things like that. <laughs> right, yeah, right on <laughs> I
0: hope we can take the opportunity to do this again sometime a little bit further down the path so to speak. Yeah, sure. It's been a pleasure. Well, I really enjoyed that. Hope you did too. And as the yogis say, Hari Om Tat Sat.